Collinet on a very special edition of Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Today we're going to be hearing the mighty Orchestre Baobab. The Senegalese specialists in all styles, as they are known, are celebrating their 50th year in 2020. So today, we are looking back to their origins as a Dakar nightclub band, their breakup and reunion, and also their incredible vital music that is still evolving today. from the mighty Orchestra Baobab. All right, let's kick things off as the band used to back at Club Baobab. This is the Orchestra Baobab playing On Verra Ça. We'll see.
Senegal's independence in 1960. At the time, the capital, Dakar, was full of possibility, but it did not have much of its own recorded music yet. The little money to be found being a musician was earned in nightclubs that served Dakar's elite, and that crowd was crazy for Cuban music. enjoyed worldwide popularity in the first half of the 20th century. Powerful radio transmitters in French and Belgian occupied Congo, as well as my own radio show on the Voice of America, broadcasted Latin music, as well as pop and jazz across the African continent. And musicians perhaps recognizing something familiar in the Afro-Cuban rhythms, or perhaps with just keen ears for a tune, started to put their own spin on it. You can hear the Cuban influence in Congolese music, for instance, in this cha-cha-cha from the 50s by Congolese group OK Jazz. music industry was born, the money was found playing Afro-Cuban music at a handful of bars, including the famous Miami Club. The Miami's house band, the Star Band, played Afro-Cuban music and incubated the names that would change Senegal's musical legacy forever. 
This is the star band's version of the old Giolos Compadres tune, Guajira Ven, recorded in Dakar in the mid-70s. Adrien Senghor, whose uncle happened to be Senegal's first president, wanted to open a swanky new spot in the old European quarter with a bar built around the trunk of a mighty baobab tree. He recruited a Tito Puente-style band leader, singer, timbale player named Bala Sidibe, who, as will become clear, had a style of his own. then enticed members of the star band to join Club Baobab. Here is the 2017 lineup of the Orchestra Baobab attempting Guajira Ven, straight from their old star band repertoire. Thank you. 
gozar guajirita ben sasabana guajira ben ka gozar guajirita ben guitariste Bartolome Atiso et patron du Baba The patrons of Club Baobab wanted talented musicians, so they sought me from the star band at the same time as they recruited Bala Sidibe and Gomis. We were the first three members of the star band to leave for Baobab, and we three joined three other musicians, Baron Jaya, the band leader, and two others. There were six of us at the founding of Baobab. percussionist and singer Balassidibe and Issa Sissoko on tenor sax. Guitarist Barthélemy Atiso arranged the songs with a style heavily influenced by Cuban son and charanga. Combining Casamance harmonies and drumming from the south of Senegal and lead singer Liam Boop's Wolof singing from northern Senegal, this Afro-Cuban combo was also a fine pan-Senegalese band. However, members of Orchestra Baobab are quick to point out that they were always more than just those two things. 
I've always said that Orchestra Baobab is a pan-African orchestra. From the beginning, we played salsa, tango, rumba. We played a lot of European music, more than modern Senegalese music that didn't use a griot. But little by little, Edrin Senghor, who ran the bar, gave us advice, telling us, well, you got to do this, got to try that. When you're pan-African, you have a lot of nationalities in there, and that's why I often say we're pan-African. You see, Tierno, his parents are from Mali. Me and my parents are from Guinea-Bissau. Bala, I believe, he and Issa are from Malayan origins. Balame is from Togo. We have Ghanaians, Peter Ugu, who uh, plays clarinet. Latifi Benjaloum, he's Mauritanian and Moroccan. And guitarist Bartolome Atiso agrees. Yes, Baobab is made of musicians from diverse origins. Each one brings something of his origins, and we make a melange, a hybrid, if you will. That's what gives us the variety we have now. Pas changé de couleur, la vie n'a pas beaucoup changé. 
The band honed their techniques at least three nights a week until two in the morning at Club Baobab. And members could also be found playing elsewhere around Dakar. The recordings from the club during the 70s don't have the clarity of their 21st century albums, but they have the excitement of a band finding its footing and operating at the peak of its powers. Influences from Congo, Guinea-Conakry, as well as psychedelic sounds and wah-wah pedals from the rock world and echoing reverbs over reggae upbeats were built into grand arrangements. Guitar and saxophone traded solos between verses from one of their main lead singers, who sang in Spanish, French, Wolof, and Creoles. Members of Baobab proudly state that they were the top orchestra. But playing around Dakar during the same era, there was also Idrissa Diop with Le Sahel de Dakar and the star band still at the Miami Club, featuring the young vocalist Yusundur, who would soon leave the group and form Étoile de Dakar. We asked members of Baobab if there was a rivalry between bands in this hot music scene, but everyone agreed if there was, it was a fight among fans, like guys in a bar fighting over football teams, said Rudy Gomez, a band member. Among musicians, Tiano Kuyate explains there was a feeling of kinship. Musicians would finish their sets around town at two, then all meet up at a bar called Le Quartier Latin for drinks and grilled meat. Tierno called it very cordial. After leaving that bar at three or four, Baobab guitarist Barthélemy Atisso would hurry home for a quick sleep before getting up at seven o'clock for work and law school. Wow. After the break, we'll hear Barthélemy Atisso's unique path to the guitar, the band's breakup and reunion, and the unusual people credited for Orchestra Baobab's steady rise in popularity. Visit afropop.org for playlists and more from the band. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX.
Jazz Orchestra Baobab are famously known as specialists in all styles. Rudy Gomez said that even though everyone in the band lived in Senegal and were Senegalese, the Orchestra Baobab didn't want their sound to represent only their home. For example, they never used the sabar drums that power Mbalach, which would become the country's best-known musical export. Baobab members are proud that everyone can find something of himself in the music, like this version of the old Mandika folk tune known throughout West Africa, Sutuka. about Orchestra Baobab is the guitar, chiefly the work of Barthélemy Atisso, from slow Afro-Cuban ballads to the band's danceable psychedelic tracks. Atisso's solos are a highlight across the band's discography. 
Rhythm guitarist Latif Benjeloun feels Atiso, the band's frequent arranger and occasional songwriter, embodies the specialist in old styles mentality. Latfi says Atiso has made a synthesis of all the music he has played on the guitar from all over the world, from all the guitarists from the 1930s into the 21st century. He's worked on the styles of nearly all the guitarists to emerge in that time, whether it's Charlie Christian, Django Reinhardt or whoever. Many guitarists have influenced Atiso. He gives Baobab that touch of jazz. There's no doubt, Barthélemy is special. But for someone who plays the guitar so distinctively, to hear the man himself tell it, he's only a musician due to circumstance. I came to Dakar in 1966 to continue my studies, and there I discovered, well, not discovered, but was forced to be a musician because I needed to find a source of revenue to pay for my studies. I came to Dakar with a job, but I was studying, and I found that I needed to study during the day, and I couldn't do both during the day. I needed to come up with a strategy. I was going to work at night. After maturely thinking it over, I thought, I'm not going to find any work better than playing in a nightclub, because I had seen officials who played in orchestras like the Star Band and at the Miami Club. During the day, they did their jobs at the bank or worked in administrations or insurance. But they worked as musicians at night, and I thought, why not? That's the only way I can reconcile my studies and having to work. I started directly with the guitar because I thought, well, I love the guitar. When I heard musicians from Zaire and Ghana playing Franco with his guitar, Rochereau, etc., I thought, I'm just very attracted to the guitar and I want to learn to play. But what happened is things forced me to become a professional. So I bought a book and a guitar and set about studying at home. It took me a few months. You can't do several things at the same time, so I had to be methodical. I set about learning the guitar. I thought, how long can it take me? A year? Two? I started to play in an orchestra, at first just little shifts. I'd visit the smaller orchestras from time to time, and they'd pass me a guitar to see if I could replace a guitarist or if they could find a place for me. Finally, I got down how to play just the basics, the elementary accompanying parts. 
The nightclub owner told me, I don't need an accompanist, I need a soloist. That was at the Miami club for the star band. They told me, you need to play a solo. And I said, okay. La voix s'appelait Miami. I copied the improvisations of other people, other musicians, and set it in the music of the day. That's how I started, little by little, working a little, studying lots of guitarists, and I finally created my own style. Among the musicians I listened to, guitarists like Django Reinhardt, like Wes Montgomery and Carlos Santana, and there was the organist Jimmy Smith who did such beautiful harmonies. I also listened to saxophonists like Manu Dibongo and local guitarists, also Guineans and Senegalese. Finally, I started to make a melange of styles all my own. to seek their freedom, as Rudy Gomis puts it. But on their tour of France, they had trouble reaching an audience beyond the Africans living there. The tour and the recording session ended up being a less than profitable experience. By the early 80s, the band found themselves overtaken by fellow star band alum Yusundur. Senegalese sabah and talking drums and Wolof rhythms, Ndur turned Mbalakh into Senegal's national popular dance music. 
members of Orchestra Baobab would go on to play in Balakh bands, and they all respect Yusun Dur very much. Likewise, Ndur co-produced Orchestre Baobab's comeback record, Specialist in All Styles. But as they said in 2002, the Orchestre Baobab had its own musical philosophy. The group ended up breaking up. Some got other gigs. Barthélemy returned to Togo and finally achieved his youthful dream of practicing law. But the world wasn't done with this band yet. It's interesting that during these years when Baobab was not playing, that there are extraordinary things that happen in life. Even though we weren't playing, the radio stations in our country kept playing Baobab songs as if to say, okay, the band is on break, but they'll be back. And I must thank the people who pirated our songs because if the songs had not been pirated and on the market, we wouldn't be here today. The influence that we now have among youth, uh, from time to time I'll meet musicians who say, for example, I must tell you, I began to play guitar by learning things from Bartolome. I really, really like Motuga and his way of playing the drums, or Charlie with his bass, or any of the singers. Rudy said they had found another system of promotion. The system was to let people pirate your songs, sit back, do nothing, and spend nothing. Then. When it starts to work, you come back. In 
1989, Nick Gold, the executive producer of World Circuit, the UK label known best for producing the Buena Vista Social Club, got together with the band to reissue some locally released 1982 Orchestra Baobab recordings. They called the album Pirate's Choice. were coming around again, and demand for the orchestra baobab was growing. More reissues and more critical acclaim over the 90s finally encouraged the band to get back together. On May 6, 2001, they took the stage in London and began a second life as Balassidi Bay reflected in 2002. So what can I say about baobab? In some ways, it was good to be parroted. It made us known. Many of our songs were played by a younger generation. And City Bay joked, we may not be gods, but we became demigods. <laughs> the band hadn't released any new music in 14 years, but they have somehow come back bigger than ever. We came to London for the first concert and we asked ourselves, well, what are we going to play that people will remember? So we put together our repertoire and we go into the hall and we start off the first song. And during the introduction, the first few notes, everyone in the crowd began to clap. I'm like, what is happening? They know the song? You know, it's just one song, but we play and we play. Play, and by the end, it seemed like they knew all the songs. While we had been on break, someone was working for us. sounded fresh, but not all the members had been carefully honing their craft during the break. Barthélemy Atiso had put music behind him and was running a law office in Togo. But like in a heist movie, when he got the call that the old crew was getting back together, well, he knew what he had to do. De Bala Sidibe reached me and said, they're going to revive the orchestra. He said they needed me to complete the group. I knew I couldn't say, I can't do it. He wouldn't understand. I couldn't tell him I can't come because of my law office. I don't have time. So I just told him right away, no problem, I'm coming. He went home and got out his guitar from the closet for the first time in over a decade. But to his horror, Atiso found that it had been so long, his fingers didn't seem to remember how to play. I was scared. I was afraid I had lost all that God gave me, like the possibility, the talent. I had just lost it. I went to my wife and said, my friends need me for Orchestra Baobab, but I've lost my fingers. I can't play anymore. And she told me, no. If you want to do it, if you want to, you can refine your fingers. That's all you need. You're a man of will. You're going to do it. And that phrase gave me the courage.
Tissot practice after dinner until three or four in the morning, like in the old days. And sure enough, his fingers came back. The first real test was a concert in London at the Barbican Center, and truly, God was helping us. Things went so well. The technical aspects were in place, the levels, the sound, the movements, the material, everything. We did impeccable work. And I only say impeccable because all the journalists said it. Today, you can consider Orchestra Baobab truly resuscitated. Well, not resuscitated, I mean, it wasn't dead. Baobab didn't die, it was just sleeping. And now, it's woken up. <laughs>
spoke to Tierno Kuyate and Rudy Gomez from Dakar, where they are riding out the coronavirus pandemic, like everyone else. Members of the band have left. Barthélemy has again returned to his law practice. Some have passed away. In 2016, longtime vocalist Nduga Djang died, and the band dedicated its 2017 album to his memory. In July of this year, the band was shocked to lose its co-founder, Bala Sidibe, who was mourned across the music world. The band said they had all been working on new material together just a few days before he died. But after 50 years, the Orchestra Baobab continues. They plan to resume touring and playing to adoring festival crowds. Their Pan-African sound is still evolving, bringing in a Kora player. The band has been decorated by the Senegalese state with the Order of the Lion. They've been flown to meet presidents. They've played across the world and inspired the generations that have followed them. Bala Sidibe. The musicians of Baobab are highly respected in Senegal. When one of these musicians shows up, even the youngest of us, people say, hey, here's one of the greats of Baobab. The children, the youth say, I love Baobab because of my father. He has all of their records. No one touches Baobab. You got that right, Bala. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. And from PRX affiliate stations around the US. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Takahashi and Banninger for their help with this program. Visit afropop.org for a selection of favorite songs of the Orchestra Baobab, explained by the band themselves. Right. You can also find us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Ben Richmond. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, including radio programs and our Afropop Close-Up podcast series. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Zubin Hensler. Additional engineering by GC at the Syncopated Lair Studio.
Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabi Siolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet. Cabral.